1 Samuel chapter 14. I've got this message, and I just hope it goes good today. I, I, you know, God's been speaking to me, and I'm going to just speak it. Verse 1, it says, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migran. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. Now, if you study this, they had started out with 1,000 men, and they shrunk down to 600 men. Go now to verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his ar armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. And it may be, someone said maybe, someone say sometimes, you've got to step out on a maybe. Mm. And it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or saving by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Here I am with you according to your heart. Look at someone and tell them, I got your back. Give my high five and you may be seated tonight. That felt good, huh? Doesn't it feel good when someone tells you they got your back? I've got this message in my heart tonight, and I'm only going to be speaking for a few moments that I really believe is for someone here who came to church and you really need to hear from the Lord. It's entitled, The One Thing We Can't Win Without. The One Thing We Can't Win Without. How many of God has called us to have victory? How many know we're not defeated outreach? How many know we are victory outreach? And the reason I think this is a, a, an important word tonight is because how many know in our church we're in a very exciting time? You know, the spirit of God is moving real strong. In fact, this last Sunday we had some visitors from other churches in the San Diego area. And they were telling one of our leaders, they said, I've never been to Victory Outreach. And I want to tell you, when I walk through the doors of this church, I've never felt the power of God like this before. And how many know the power of God resides at Victory Outreach San Diego. You can give him praise. What I believe has been happening over the last few months is that God has been giving us a fresh wind of revival. Say revival. Now you may ask, why will God send revival? Why does God send fresh rain? I think every time we get together on a Wednesday night, a Sunday morning, it seems like whenever we get together, even at the beach last night, you could feel and sense the power of God. Now, why does God send rain? Why does God send his power? Why does God begin to breathe on his people? Well, I want to tell you this about revival is that the winds and waters of revival come so that God's house can be cleansed. Now, now, now pay attention to this. God will send the winds and the waters and the fresh rains of revival so that the house of God can be cleansed and the people of God can be cleansed. See, here's why God will do it. Because when God's people have been involved in warfare, is there anyone here that has been involved in warfare? 
You've been fighting for your marriage. You've been fighting for your family. You've been fighting for your children. You've been doing your best to make ends meet. You've been building things for the glory of God. And how many know it's not easy to do the work of God? God bless three people. How many know it's not easy to do the work of God? How many know you'll break a sweat doing the work of God? How many know you might hurt your body doing the work of God? How many know sometimes you sustain injuries? Talk to me, somebody. How many know sometimes you get offended? How many know sometimes people are rude to you? You ain't saying nothing to me. Someone say friendly fire. Sometimes it's not the sinners that are rude to you. It's the Christians that are rude to you. Why? Because when you're fighting the devil, it's not always clean. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes you get in the flesh. Sometimes, oh, let me just move on tonight. God loves his people. And God knows that if he's called us to do a work, it's not always going to be an easy work. Come on, help me preach. It's not always going to be an easy work. Sometimes the work of God is difficult. It's difficult to hit the streets. It's difficult to pray in the morning. It's difficult to fight traffic. Come on, somebody. It's difficult to deal with those ungodly, uncircumcised Philistines at work. Talk to me. Touch your neighbor and tell them, sometimes it's hard. But God loves his people. Sometimes it's hard, but God loves his people. And God knows what he's called us to get involved in. He hasn't called us to get involved in something that's pretty. He's gotten us involved in something that requires battle. It requires a warrior's spirit. You've got to carry a sword. You've got to put the helmet of salvation. You've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Come on and say something to me. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. It's an ugly proposition to kill devils and to cut the heads off giants. Can I hear an amen? God knows what he's called us to. And God knows this. That when you've been working hard for him, you might look good on the outside. But you might be hurting on the inside. There's casualties in war. Oh, come on, help me. There's casualties in war. Oh, you're smiling. But someone cussed you out this week. You're smiling, but somebody talked down to you. You're, you're smiling, but you got a flat tire on the way to work. You're smiling, but someone gave you a weak cup of coffee this morning. Come on, somebody. You look good on the outside, but sometimes there are casualties in battle. And I'm not talking about the kind of casualties that take you out of the house of the Lord. Is it making sense now? But I'm talking about the casualties where you're in the house of the Lord, but you have an injury. Nobody can see it except you and God. Your heart might be hurt. You might have an offense in your life. You might need healing tonight. So what does God do? Especially if you've been battling the devil for a long time. You see, all of 2016, pastor, has been a battle and you know what? 2015 was a battle too. Oh shoot. And 2014 was a battle too. I've had a little bit of a tough run. Talk to me. 
The devil's been trying to take me out. He's been trying to take out my family. He's been trying to take out my money. He's trying, he's trying to attack my health. So what does God do because he loves you? He puts you in a church where he pours out his anointing. He He puts you in a church where the music is good. Come on, somebody. And the preaching is good. And the people love God. And there's an anointing oil pouring out from heaven. And he sends you rain so that your wounds can be healed. So that your bloody heart can be restored. Come on, Victory Outreach San Diego. How many know that God loves his people? And when he wants to heal you, he sends you a revival. He sends you oil from heaven. It's the bomb of Gilead. It flows from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet if you're hurting tonight you're in the right place you're in the place you need to be you're in the holy ghost hospital you're in the place where god can heal you touch someone and tell them it's good to be here tonight god sends revival to cleanse the impurities that spring up in our midst. And I want to tell you, man, the church needs the rain. I'll tell you, the church needs the rain. If you're watching this service online and you're a pastor of a church, look at your church and ask yourself, is rain pouring out in my church? Because the church needs the rain. People are hurting. People are struggling. This is not hype. This is not hoopla. This is not emotion. This is the spirit of God healing his people. This is the spirit of God being poured out over people who've been involved in spiritual warfare. And I'm a pastor that loves my people. So I say, God, go ahead and pour it out. Do whatever you want to do. Let your rain begin to pour out. Come on, bring in the hurting. Bring in the broken. Bring in those that need healing. The spirit of God is able to heal them. The spirit of God is able to restore them. Someone say, God is good. Listen, emotion doesn't produce the presence of God. But the presence of God does produce emotion. And if you can't shout, then you don't have the presence of God. And if you can't sing, then you don't have the presence of God. And if you can't every now get up and throw a chunkla, come on somebody, you don't have the presence of God. How many know the presence of God will stir dry bones and bring them back to life? The presence of God. Woo! Touch someone and tell them it's all right to get emotional. It's all right to cry in church. You can cry in church. You can come to this altar and let all your problems down at this altar. You can cry in church. Let the mascara run. Let your fake eyelashes fall off. Get your shirt dirty. I don't care. You can cry in church. You don't, you're not going to be judged here because this is a place of healing. This is a place of restoration. This is a place. Someone say revival. God loves you. And if you're hurting tonight, God loves you. What is revival? Revival is Jesus in the gospel. Seeing that crippled man by the pool of Siloam. And they said when the water stirred, he had no one to put him in. And Jesus come by that man. He says, listen, you don't need the water. You just need one touch from me. Come on, somebody. That's revival. Revival is the woman with issue of blood. 
She had spent it all, tried it all, went to every doctor. But she said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And when she got to the foot of Jesus and she touched the hem of his garment, power was released out of his life and she received her healing. Is there anyone here tonight that still believes that God can heal you? He can heal your issues. He can heal your trouble. He can heal your pain. Come on, he can fill the empty spaces in your life. He's got the power to do it. He can do what you need him to do. All you got to do is be open for the Lord to do what he wants to do. Is he still a healer, church? In other words, Jesus can refresh your life tonight. And when Jesus refreshes your life, how many know that refreshing feels good? It's here tonight. It's, it's been here. Why do we need to get people in, in church? Because Jesus is in the house, right? Jesus is here and he wants to heal the brokenhearted and he wants to restore families and he wants to restore marriages and he wants to begin to release miracles. See, when Jesus refreshes your life, what happens to your faith? Your faith is strengthened. So what's the battle? What's the world trying to do? What's Satan trying to do? Satan wants to weaken you. He wants to weaken your faith. Jesus wants, Satan wants to make you weak. Okay, Satan wants to make you weak. The world wants to make you weak. All those eight to ten hours of work every day are designed just to make you weak, to enslave you, to break your faith all the way down. Satan just wants to take your power and take your faith and take your self-esteem and rob you of your blessing. But what does Jesus want to do? Because he loves you, he wants to strengthen you tonight. He wants to build your faith up. Come on, somebody. He wants to encourage you. We come to church not to be put down. We come to church to be picked up. Come on, we don't come to church so that we can hear what's wrong about us. We come to church to hear what God says is right about us. He wants to encourage you. Touch your neighbor and tell him, be encouraged. To say I am encouraged, watch, means I'm getting my courage back. You ever heard someone say, I'm encouraged? That means that I'm getting my courage back. Meaning I came in weak, I'm walking out strong. I came in tired, I'm walking out with a skip in my step and a glide in my stride. Come on, somebody. God wants to give you your strength back, your courage back. And then when he gives you your strength back, how many have been getting your strength back? How many have been getting your courage back? Then he wants to assemble us, watch this. For advancement. So I'm going to move super fast. He gives us faith. He encourages us. He builds us up so that we can go right back into the battle. Revival heals us. The winds come in. The waters come in. Clean us out. Come on, somebody. Remove the impurities. Kill all the weeds. Come on now. Heal all the arguments. Get all the stress out. Get all that worldly thinking out. How many are thankful for revival? Then God strengthens us and he repositions us and he says, now I want you to advance. 
So what is the one thing we can't win without? We can't win without strong faith. Because wherever God calls you to go, you must go by faith. What's another word for faith? Let me just give it to you here. Uh, if, you know, the world doesn't understand faith. But what they do understand is courage. And another word for faith is courage. Say courage. Come on now. The, the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz, he says, if I could only have some courage. And how many know before we had Jesus, we, we just wished we had some courage. But how many know when Jesus comes and takes control of your life, he gives you faith. He gives you courage to do what he's called you to do. In this story, there were two armies. I'm going to move super fast. One army was under the leadership of Saul. One army was under the leadership of his son, Jonathan. Saul's army was an army in retreat. How odd is that? An army in retreat. They say the armor of God. How many of you ever studied the armor of God? The helmet, the breastplate, the shield, the sword, the shoes, the belt. But notice in the armor of God, there's nothing on the back. Because Christians aren't called to run. Come on, clap. We're not called to run. We don't need no, you don't need back armor when God's got your back. You don't need no God's armor when the Holy Spirit has your back. But Saul's army was in retreat. They started out as a big army of a thousand people. And then they shrunk down, dwindled, dwindled down to 600 in the scripture. Why? Because their leader, Saul, lost the fighting spirit. This is so important. So important. Their leader, Saul, lost the fighting spirit. Saul was complicit in holding his position. He just said, we're not going to advance. We're just going to hold. We're not going to go any further. We're just going to hold. It's been too hard. Just hold. Mm. And how many know God hasn't called us to just hold? How many call, know that God has called us to take everything that the devil has taken from us to keep on moving forward, to keep on claiming his promises? Can I hear an amen? You see, the purpose of the church is to move forward. Someone say, move forward. When a leader loses faith, loses courage, his, his army loses commitment. When a leader loses faith, his army loses commitment. An army of 1,000 shrunk to 600. That means 400 guys went home because the leader lost the fighting spirit. This is good preaching. That's why leaders, when people come to church, when, when they come to church, they, they want to see leaders that have the fighting spirit. When, when people come into the house of the Lord, they're going to say, where, where are the leaders? Where are the fighters? And you say, right here. Let me tell you what, how God has been good to me. Let me tell you how I've seen the promise of God come to pass within my life. Look at these people sitting next to me. These are my family people. Talk to me, somebody. Look at me. I didn't always look like this. I used to be messed up, but Jesus changed my life. Look how good I look now. Can I hear an amen? See, we need leaders that have a fighting spirit. We need a leader that won't lose a fighting heart. Come on, somebody say amen.
people in our community are looking for people who are going to live by faith and not by feeling. We need leaders that are going to grow and advance in the things of God. The second army was not only Saul's army, but it was Jonathan's army. Now, Jonathan's army was much, 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 much smaller than Saul's army. Saul still had 600 warriors, but Jonathan, his army only consisted of two people. Two seemingly insignificant soldiers, watch this, who were smaller in number, but bigger in spirit. Come on, somebody. Listen, if you've got a big spirit, it doesn't matter who's around you. Come on, somebody. I, I'll t take it from me, brothers and sisters. I've been serving God 25 years, and I'll tell you, my phone has been blowing up lately. My phone's blowing up. My phone's getting on my nerves. I feel like throwing it out the window. I get texts every day, you know, people calling me. Hey, hey, I want to hook up. Hey, 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 hey. But where were you last year? Can I come preach in the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where were you when I was in Boston? Now, I'm not taking it personal. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, when you have a big spirit, you don't need people to help you get through. Can I hear an amen? When you know that you got God on your side, when you know that greater is he. I'm not bitter. Don't get mad at me. I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm not hating on nobody. I'm not throwing shade on nobody. But now I'm popular. But I wasn't always popular. People weren't always in my boat. But I'm still here. Because the spirit of God came alive in my heart. He gave me a fighting spirit. Are there any fighting people in the house of the Lord today that will fight when they're with you? And you'll fight when they're not with you. I'm not bitter. I just know where my power comes from. Jonathan looked over at his armor bearer. Just him and his armor bearer. Just him and his only homeboy. His only road dog. His day one. Talk to me, somebody. You got a friend like that? You got a day one? Huh? Looked over at him, and they were big in spirit, just like the two young men that went to spy out the land. They had a spirit of faith. The Bible says they had a different spirit. They had a different spirit. A, a spirit of faith is a different spirit in this day and hour. A spirit of courage is a different spirit in that you ain't saying nothing to me. People don't have faith anymore. They don't have courage anymore. They, they, they can't even... The Bible says they had a different spirit. And they came back and they told Moses and they said, there's giants in the land. Come on. But we are well able to overcome them. And then 10 sissies rose up. 
and say, we can't do it. We were grasshoppers in their sight. Let me tell you something, my friend. You are not a grasshopper. You are a giant killer. Come on, giant killer. Come on, giant. Where are my giant killers? Matthew, could you come? Where are my giant killers? Come on, where are my people that say, I have a different spirit. Revival is in my heart. God is on my team. God has my back. I have a spirit of faith. Woo! They said, now's the time. Be seated. Say, now's the time. They said, now, let's go. We can't wait. No more delay. I feel an urgency to tell some of you tonight. I, I probably should have preached this on Sunday. But you're getting blessed tonight. I feel an urgency to tell you, no more delay. Stop vacillating and stop dwelling between two opinions. Stop wondering if you're going to serve God. Stop saying, no, not me, not now, later, later, mañana, no más mañana, ahora, ahorita. You didn't think I knew those words, huh? Now's the time. Now's the time to commit. Now's the time to get closer to God than you've ever been. Now's the time to bump, dump that boyfriend. Come on, somebody. Dump that girlfriend. Now's the time to make the change. Come on. God wants to give you the land now. God wants to bless you now. Don't delay. Don't wait. Get up. Now's the time. Step out. Come on, giant killer. Now's the time. Be that disciple. Answer the call. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not in six months. Today. Touch you people and tell them right now. We can't wait. We can't wait. We need every leader to rise up. We need every leader tonight to go to that table and sign up and say, I am a disciple. I am a giant killer. I am a warrior. And I want to tell you, man, if you get in now, someone say now. You're going you're gonna to experience the blessing of God. I believe with all my heart. As I close, there are three things Jonathan had, that are, which are three things that we need. I don't have time to give you all three, but I'll give you one. But I'll mention them. The first thing is that Jonathan had a faithful friend. He had a homie. He had a road dog. Ladies, your husband is your road dog. Husbands, guys, your, your lady, your girl. Come on, you're Bonnie and Clyde. That's your road dog. Come on, that's your... Come on, somebody. But everybody needs a faithful friend. Anything Jesus calls you to do, he doesn't call you to do it alone. Now, singles, don't get excited. That's all I need to hear, Pastor. I'm getting married this week. Chill, Turbo. Take it easy, brah. But you, the brother, you, the sister, you're only going to be as good as the friends you keep. You got friends that will 
feed your faith and you got friends that'll drain your faith. Know the difference. Tell your neighbor, know the difference. But you can't do it alone. Be careful who you partner with. I love what the armor bearer said to him. In one portion of scripture, one version of the Bible, he says, I am with you heart and soul. Can you look over at one or two people and you, possibly you like them, you're sitting by them. Tell them, I'm with you heart and soul. Come on, look at one or two. I'm with you, man. I got your back. I'm not going to burn you. Come on. Let's take the land. Let's take the territory. Let's go to the places. God, come on, tell somebody. We're in this together. Come on. We can accomplish a lot. Two are better than one. Three are better than two. Four are better than three. Come on, somebody. You can't do this by yourself. The third thing. Jonathan had fearless faith. Fearless faith. He said, maybe the Lord will work in our behalf. That's crazy, man. He was on a suicide mission. He's all, you down? He goes, I'm down, dude, whatever, bro. You know how you used to be? I'm down. Shoot, I got your back, I said. My cousin's here. He always had my back. I always had his back. I'm down, whatever, man, whatever you want to do, right? But listen to what he tells him. There was no guarantees. Tell your those guarantees. He said, maybe, it may be the Lord will work on our, our behalf, but he said, for nothing hinders the Lord for, from saving by many or saving by few. In other words, God doesn't need a whole army to get the job done. He just needs two faithful people that have faith and trust in him. You may not know what the future holds, but I can tell you, you know who holds the future. God holds your future. God knows what he's doing in your life. Come on and clap. I'm almost done. Everything's going to be all right. Put your trust in him. He can heal your marriage. He can heal your family. He can raise you up. He can use you. He can provide for you. Come on, somebody. Nothing's too hard for God. He can do miracles. Nothing hinders the Lord. Nothing can stop the Lord. He's the God of war. He's the God of blessing. He's the God that is faithful to his promises. Right? Last one. You can stand. That was good tonight. Uh, woo, that was a fast one too. The last thing is that Jonathan had a ferocious mission. He had a faithful friend. He had fearless faith. And he had a ferocious mission. Look at someone next to you and say, I'm ferocious. Rawr. Just roar at him like, ah. No, you're not a cougar. You're ferocious. Calm down. Ah! I'm ferocious up in here. I'll Give me your ferocious face, people. Let me see it. Let me see it. Come on, show me those teeth. Let me see those canines. He had a ferocious mission. He said, we're going to go over to the Philistine garrison and we're going to take a one acre piece of land. You're like, dude, that's so small. One acres. But it was it was small, but it was strategic. Someone say it was strategic. See, there was only two swords in Israel. Saul had one. 
Jonathan had the other one. And all those thousand guys that were with Saul all had farming equipment. It's not that they didn't have the metal, the, arm, the iron. It's that they didn't have the tools to sharpen it into weaponry. So Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and he looks over at that piece of land. He says, there's a blacksmith shop there where the Philistines are sharpening their weapons, but we can't sharpen ours. This is so good. He says, and I'm tired of my people getting punked because they don't have the right weapons. They're trying to fight with shovels. Come on, man. They're trying to fight with, with hoes and rakes. How you gonna hit someone with a rake? Your flexes. You're gonna annoy them to death. It's time, watch, for my people to become armed and dangerous. Come on, clap. Armed and dangerous. See, friends, Satan's not, Satan has no problem with you farming, working on personal projects. Satan's not scared of someone with a nine to five. But he is afraid of someone who engages in warfare. And you know what's time for us to do? It's time to pound our working equipment into weaponry. It's time for us to look at our spiritual growth as a ferocious mission. It's time for us to say, I cannot be at the spiritual level I'm at for much longer. Now's the time for me to pick up a sword and start growing to another level in the things of God. You can go ahead and clap because I'm talking how important this is. And you got to get ferocious about it. I don't come to church to get tickled. I don't come to church just to have a religious experience. I come to church to get trained. I come to church to get trained in the things of God. I get trained to pray. I get trained to cast down strongholds. I get trained to pull down imaginations. I get trained to do spiritual warfare. And when I get trained here, I leave this place. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I lay hands on the bound and they get delivered. My kids are going to get delivered. I'm going to get trained. I'm going to train my children. And we're going to kick the devil out of our family. We're going to kick the devil out of our home. We're going to kick the devil out of our community. Come on, help me know what I'm talking about. Is there anyone here ready to get ferociously hungry for spiritual growth to say, I'm ready to go to another level? That's, the, that's what God wants to do. But we need to do it by faith. Somebody say faith. It's going to take faith for you to step out for spiritual growth. And tonight, I want to, I want to pray for those of you. I don't want to pray for everybody. But as I close, I just want to pray for those of you that you say, Pastor, in the beginning you were talking about healing. Healing. And the revival that brings healing. And the revival that heals my wounds. And maybe you're here tonight. You say, Pastor, I want, to, I want to be in the army, but I'm hurting. There's some things in my life that the devil's been trying to kill me. The devil's been trying to, listen, it's not people. It's the devil. 
It's the spirit of the enemy trying to kill you. Your heart's hurting because the devil used a situation or a person to try to kill you. The devil wants you dead. But God says, I'm able to encourage you. I'm able to give you back your courage. But you got to get under the oil tonight. And the way I want to close this service is, what we're going to do is we're going to dismiss you if you have to go. But we're going to spend some time at the altar tonight. And if you need to go, we love you. Come back Sunday. I'll preach in the first service. We have the drama in the second service and at night. Bring someone with you. But I want to, I want to just open up the altar tonight and just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And if you're here tonight.